to Hive Mind. I'm Meg. I'm here with Eli. Hey, Eli. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. What have you been watching? Mostly I've been watching pictures of the Bidens and the Carters together. Can we talk about that for a second? Can we talk about that for a second? It's all I've thought about for two straight days. Can you walk me through it? Because I know you've posted about this a lot and I don't understand what's going on. I mean, I'm not any more qualified to walk (laughs) you through it than anybody. All I know is that the Bidens went to see the Carters at the Carters' adorable home that looks like it hasn't been touched since 1977. Absolutely. Incredible. Like, I think they might have lived there while he was president. Yeah. 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 So um, there's this photo where the Carters are in (laughs) chairs and the Bidens are both kneeling down and like leaning on the chairs. It looks like the Bidens are double the size of the Carters. Like, at least Jill is next to Jimmy and she's double Jimmy's size in Uh this photo. And there's all these explanations that keep coming out like, well, it's a it's a angled lens and like every explanation makes it more suspicious. (laughs) It's like a cover up that they're making up as they go. And you're like, so "So the Carters have always been Muppets. Like, I, (laughs) there's a glitch in the Matrix here and no one's working that hard to like repair it, you know? It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. The Bidens, honestly, they honestly look double or triple the size of the Carters. It's and wild. It's so, and what's crazy about it to me is, like, I get it. Like, there's probably some weird camera lens thing. Like, I, I buy it, whatever. But how did they take this picture, look at it, and think, let's go ahead and put this one out. No one will think this looks weird. It is, like, so jarring. Yeah. To look at. That's what I can't figure out. I think it was the Carter Institute. Who It wasn't the Bidens. Okay. It was the Carters. I feel like the Biden social media people would have been a little better. <laughs> you know? Well, the Carters have not historically been known for, you know, being very good at Pleasing the and, public. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it's wild. I am into it. It's so funny. And like, whatever. It's like one of these things that's been fun to watch because it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter it at all. It doesn't matter at all. So Flotus is in Utah today and there's right. a picture of um, Governor Cox greeting her at the airport. And Governor Cox is taller in the photo and someone sent me a DM. It's like, <laughs> how tall is Governor Cox? <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, that's really funny. I know. <laughs> So he's four times the size so, of the Carters. Governor Cox is nine feet tall. That is really In funny. In conclusion. Okay, so Apple TV came out with their newest version of Apple TV. Oh, like, like the, device, the device, not the streaming platform. And my dear sweet husband has been watching the internet for months to try and figure out when to buy the Apple TV because we have Fire Stick right now. And Fire Stick is terrible. Mm. You can't get Peacock. Mm-hmm. You like it struggles with like Disney Plus, which is not like a thing. Yeah, we watch Roku had a hard time with Disney Plus too. Yeah, and I know Roku has has been probably. So I am being promised currently that the new Apple TV device is going to be like the most functional of them all. Okay. So we apparently, I'm told, bought it today. Okay. It cost one hundred trillion dollars. Okay. 
Um, it costs the GDP of a mid-sized country okay. to buy this thing. Okay, but flex. We, we have bought <laughs> Not a flex, complaint. <laughs> it's not a flex. This is a complaint. I did not know we bought this. I just found out. Um, and so we are now going to have Apple TV, and I am hoping to come back to you and tell you I have finally discovered the fix to what I think is a problem in our TV watching America today, because I know everybody hated on cable and I was the last person in America who was paying for cable for a while. You know, Irene pays for cable still. I love this is why Irene and I are so tight. Like she and I share one heart on a spiritual level. We share one heart and we share two brains. (laughs) We share four brains. We're so smart. So I love Irene. We're connected on a spiritual level because I loved my cable. But then everybody, including people in this very room, in this very podcast room, were like, Eli, something's wrong with you that you're paying for cable and you need to get rid of cable and you need to just have the apps. So now I have all the apps, but like some of them don't work on the fire stick and it's hard to find stuff. And I like do the speak thing until the whatever device and it pulls up like half of what I said and I'm just not a fan. So I am hopeful that the Apple device is going to work. Okay. Okay. Um, but what have I been watching? Yeah, this is not even watching? your question. <laughs> really is Hive Mind getting worse? Really am I getting like, am I going to get fired? I, I don't even like follow the prompts anymore. I just keep waiting for the, anyway, we bought the Apple TV and because we, we bought the Apple TV, <laughs> I can watch Blink. Wait. We don't have it yet. No, okay. So why don't you okay. just go ahead and tell me what you've been watching. What I've been watching. So um, I'm going to start with what I've been listening to. You recommended several months ago that I listen to the You're Wrong About podcast. Uh-huh. And I started listening to it kind of a couple of months ago, and now I've become an avid listener. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite podcasts. I think it's really, really good. It they Every week... They take a topic that is like something that like the American public consciousness is aware of. Like most of us are aware of mm-hmm. this XYZ topic and they talk they go through the history of like, hey, here's what everybody got a- upset about in 2008 and here's here we did a deep dive and here's what the actual story is. And so like this week for example, they did a deep 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 dive on the Dixie Chicks, the artists formerly known as the Dixie Chicks, mm-hmm. being canceled for saying something about the Iraq war mm-hmm. back in like 2005. And it was it's been really fun to kind of revisit events that I remember, but that like I was only like 20 percent checked into and like kind of caught headlines about. And now to hear like, oh, this is what was actually happening. This is like a research topic by these people. And, and they kind of walk through that kind of stuff. So I highly recommend that podcast. I rewatched Promising Young Woman um, on a plane the other day. Mm. We've talked so much about this movie, so I'm not going to like go into it too much. But it was it was an interesting rewatch after the Oscars and after a lot of conversation has happened. And so if you have not seen Promising Young Woman yet, I really do recommend it. If you if you have seen it, I think it's like one of these movies that you do get more out of if you watch an additional like two or three times. Okay, so did you like a second watch? Um, my impression, my impression that it could have used at least one more rewrite is still the same. Mm-hmm. Like I watched it and I was just like, I really, I like, I wish I could take the script and like rewrite some of the dialogue and some of the like plot holes that I was just like, that was, 
like it, it felt a little bit rushed like oh we went to production a little bit too soon but the performances are incredible in that movie yeah from all of the leads they're really really good um love my girl tammy taylor from friday night lights jennifer coolidge no yeah and jennifer coolidge is really good in it yeah, yeah. she's she's great in it i'm so, taking the dog i lo- i'm taking the dog academy award winning performance so good she's so i good. made my kids watch legally blonde with me the other day i think about jennifer coolidge in um for your consideration like once a day <sighs> Still never seen it all the way. Whoa, honey, it's so good. She is so funny in in all of those movies. Yeah. You know, she's she's great in all of those, but for your consideration, she is exceptional in that movie. If you're if you're a Jennifer Coolidge fan. Who isn't? And, and who sh- everyone should be, as far as I'm concerned. But what else have you been watching? That's it. What have you been watching? Okay, so uh Emily, the other co host of this podcast, mm. because there are three. There are three now? Keeping track at home. Wait, who? Name them off. You. I'm number one, right? Uh, Yeah. Number one forever. Irene. And Emily. Uh, I think you're forgetting a family member. Nick is a special guest. Nick is a founding member of Hive I know, but he's now, he's like a board member now. Nick will forever be number one in my heart. Okay, well, I'll let him know. Okay. (laughs) What was I saying? Oh, Emily recommended Made for Love on HBO. Okay. And it is starring Christine, can never get her last name right, from Palm Springs. Oh, right. You know, with the eyes. Funny. Funny. Uh, Where she plays the wife of, his name is Byron Gogol. Like, it's Google, but you know. It's interesting because I watched this the week that Bill and Melinda split ways. Ah, Bill and Melinda. I know, I know. But it's about her escaping this hub that he's kept her in for the last 10 years it's really funny ray romano's in it oh um goes back and forth between like her life in the hub and her trying to escape really well produced and acted kind of falls apart toward the end but you know a for effort yeah um and emily and i are doing a patreon series on mayor of east town okay which is the hbo series with the worst title of all time it's yeah, hands down the it's, worst uh, title of all time. I saw you tweet that it sounds like the uh, rural juror. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that was that's felt accurate to me. Every conversation I've had with someone about this show, they've said the mayor of East Town, mayor, the mayor, the of, mayor, the mayor of, of East Town. And yeah. last night, Stephen said, "You ready to watch the mayor of Eastwick?" And I was like, <laughs> Might as well. Close enough. Yeah, <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Terrible title. Really good show. Okay, so tell us what it's about. It's about, uh, well, you know, it's about a murder. It's about murders. It's like one of those small town murder shows. Okay. But the curmudgeon cop is Kate Winslet, <gasps> which is fun. How is it's she in it? So good. Okay. So good. Um, And, they, you know, they're trying to make her look like, gristled and tired, but, like, she's still Kate Winslet. You know, it's kind of like the Sandra Bullock in Miss Congeniality. Okay. Where they're like, look at this. Look at this slob. And, and it's like, like this an gorgeous woman. You know, star. it's like that effect yeah. here. And it's like, okay, nice try, guys. But her performance is really, really good. So my theory about Kate Winslet for a lot of years is Kate Winslet is an incredibly charming and likable person who I think is not a great actress. 
Do you think she's like getting better? Because I feel like I keep listen. I saw her in stuff for like fifteen years that I was just like she's not very good. I've seen her in Titanic. Oh, you saw Titanic. I know a little. Maybe it's a little <laughs> rarely seen cult following. Listen, she's bad in that because everyone's bad in that. It, it, and her character is a non-character. It's bad. Yeah, yeah. Sense and Sensibility. She's great in that. Okay. Those are the she's two things. She's terrible. I've seen is in. is it Contagion? Oh, I never saw it. She's terrible. Really? Yeah, but it might be a writing issue again. Yeah. I don't know. She's good in this. Okay. So. I like her. I want Kate Winslet to succeed. Like this is not Eli. Like Anne Hathawaying. Like society has done trying to like you know get somebody to fail that's not what's happening here i want kate winslet to succeed because i like her but i just like i i've seen her and stuff where i'm like oh, you're not that you're not as good as i wish you were she's i i who's who's hermione emma watson you know how we all just hit, hit a place where like we need to stop pretending that I emma love, watson's good and things i'm not quite there because i still like delightful i want to protect her so much delightful delightful human does yeah. so much good gorgeous can act to save her life <laughs> terrible actor. how did she get cast as the lead in beauty she's and the so beast cute. yeah she's so cute that she's they're so like adorable. oh okay come on in did you think she was bad in little women yeah she was bad in it I, I thought mean, she matched the. T- I thought she matched the energy of the character. The character is the most boring. It's of a non-character. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was fine, but thank God they didn't put her as one of the Can other. Can you sisters. imagine if they made her Joe? Well, well, Joe, it would have been unfathomable. Ugh. Yeah. Um. All right. So okay. That, and then. I watched The Orange Years, which oh. Nick, the fourth co-host of yeah. this podcast. How, what? I haven't watched it yet. It's really good. It's really, really good. It's really fun. I would say he's the first host of this podcast, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, because remember, I was like, my brother and I are starting a podcast. You want to do it with us? And you said brother first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, where, look where we I put up. Nick first in my life. Um, okay. So... It is like right in my vein. Like yeah. I feel like we came of age in the the rugrats of it all of yeah. Nickelodeon. Yeah, you know when they had just started doing their animated series and like Double Dare and Guts and it just really I learned a lot from it. Like I did not know educators were behind Nickelodeon. Oh, because they did such a good job making it seem like it's just shows for kids. You know, when it was really loud, like, obnoxious goo. Yeah, there yeah. were some like real educational principles behind it that guided all their decision making. Cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, lots of really fun animators hearing from lots of kids who started like salute your shorts and hey dude and. Them talking about their experiences. A lot of the people who wrote for those have gone on to write, like, for Hollywood and TV. Uh, and so, like, they grew up as we grew up. Like, they started their careers doing these shows for kids and then transitioned into adulthood content as we transitioned into watching. That's great. Adult content. It was super fun. And it was interesting to watch before watching what we watched for this week. Oh. <sighs> Kid 90. My goodness. Which was like a very different tone. Yeah. Um, and Darker. I would say a stone cold bummer. What do you think of Kid 90 overall? I, you know, I loved it. Kid 90 is in, so this is about a group of Hollywood kids 
who were four to seven years older than me. And so this was like kind so, of kind of a group of kids that like I grew up being like, oh, they're the cool ones who are like a little bit older than I am. They were like kind of my older sisters ages. Okay, so I was watching this with Steven and I was telling him that you watch a lot of Punky Brewster. Oh, yeah. We never watch Punky Brewster. Yeah. And he was like, "Why is Eli that much older than us? No. And I said, no, but he has older siblings. That's right. So I think that you were more acquainted with her and that whole gang yeah. where I was watching this and I was like, I've heard of Corey Feldman, but other than that, I don't know any of these people. Right. So, so on, um, Strangerville, like a year, two years ago, I think I did like a whole episode on Punky Brewster an an episode of Punky Brewster and like how it kind of affected our generation. And Punky Brewster started when I was like one or two. Like mm-hmm. I was too young to be to acknowledge it. So by the time I was old enough to like be aware of it, it was syndication. Yeah. But I still it still was a big part of my childhood. Like it was in syndication. And so like I grew up like four, five, six years old seeing Punky Brewster, who was like a five, six year old uh on TV. It just so happened that I was watching reruns. So in in fact, at the same time, she was actually nine or ten. And so she was a few years older. And I do have I I have two sisters who are older than me. One is four years older and one is six years older. So they were like the age of this group of kids in yeah. Kid 90. And so for that reason, like I do think I was exposed. Like anybody who has older siblings has kind of this experience where my husband, for example, who's five years younger than me, has uh, two older sisters who are my exact same age. And he's like, oh, he's like he was exposed as a child to stuff that was like my age group for that reason. It's it's a pretty common thing. But so like Kid 90 is about teenagers in the 90s. But like Meg, you and I were mostly really small children for most of the 90s. Like by 99, I was 14. Yeah, so, I was 12. Yeah, so like we were just kind of hitting the early part of our teenage years when the 90s ended. Um, and so I do think like this this documentary, it's what, two hours, hour and 45 minutes yeah, or something? Shy of two hours, yeah. Yeah, I, I do think it was really interesting to see a group of kids who were just a little bit older than us experience a culture that like I have very vivid memories about, but I was not experiencing in the same way. Yeah, uh, I think, well, let's first talk about what this is. This is Sole Moonfry, who has um, gone through all of the footage she took with a camcorder after Punky Brewster ended. So she was hanging out with all of these like kids in LA who were part of show business for the most part. The um, hot kids of the 90s. Yeah. 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 Um, like Jenny Lewis and Corey Feldman mm-hmm. and um, Charlie Sheen mm-hmm. makes some interesting pop-ins. Yeah. Um, and she was just like hanging out with these people and recording stuff and she sh- threads it together in this narrative, kind of a chronological narrative about her finding who she was after Punky Brewster and coming of age and going through the hard things all teenage girls go through, but doing in it in the public eye. eye. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she's revisiting the all of this Years later, in a way that doesn't feel like she has gotten closure and is revisiting it, but she is still seeking closure, I would say, through the movie's conclusion. Yeah. 
Oh, like yeah. I was like, I'm kind of experiencing trauma with this person and yeah. I don't know if I'm enjoying it. Yeah. It's kind of a lot. And uh, she, she does. It doesn't feel like she's a mess at no, this point. No. But it does feel like she is she in this documentary is looking back on this very distinct time right before the Internet. Um, but she's got this footage that she's captured and she's kind of going back through. And there was a lot of trauma with these kids who, I mean, don't make your kid a child star. No, don't make your kid a child star. And she's kind of going through all that. And you do get the sense that now this is a woman in her forties who's put together. She seems like an intelligent, well-spoken person, but she's kind of talking through this and just like, wow, that was pretty awful and i still don't quite know what to think of what i went through yeah and they ended and i was like i don't know what to think of what you went through it seems really dark and i think i look back at the 90s through very rosy glasses and maybe it's because i was young just a little too young you know i wouldn't say that the early aughts were like a rosy time for me because that's when i was you know 14 that's when things got hard that's when when, britney spears was being abused teenagerdom hit i think whatever decade your teenagerdom hits is probably a hard decade but these this decade seemed especially brutal for these kids yeah um so many of her friends committed suicide um od'd and i'm i I hate to be this person but i was kind of like where are these people's parents yeah you know and they do talk about um Zach from Saved by the Bell, the yeah. actor who plays him, talked about how when you step on a soundstage, you are no longer treated like a child. Mm-mm. And you can kind of see what happens to these child's actors when their childhood is taken from them. Mm-hmm. And they're expected to function like adults, but they still have the brain of children. Mm-hmm. And how brutal that is. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't believe the darkness that was following these people around because they just seem so lost. I think we, we get a sense, us normies, mm-hmm. uh, get a sense that kids who get in the limelight are like living this kind of dream life. I mean, I certainly felt that as a kid. Mm-hmm. I was so jealous of Macaulay Culkin when I was a child. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, I, Do like, you know who he married? Who? He married, um, you know, on the social network. Oh, I just saw something about this on the social network. Andrew Garfield's girlfriend that like lights the trash can on fire. Oh. That's who Macaulay Culkin's married to. Way to go. Brenda. Good job, Macaulay Culkin. They just had a baby. Hope you're happy. Yeah, I saw like a thing that he had a baby and people were really surprised at who his partner was, but I, I didn't remember. Anyway, I was so jealous because he was like one to two years older than me. And like I would see it. I saw him in the Home Alone movies. And I was just like, this kid is living the dream life, you know, and like as a kid, you kind of feel that way. And I I feel like even as adults, we sort of see child stars and it feels like, oh, they're fine. They're like, you know, these famous kids who are, you know, have a, a whole career ahead of them. And I don't think that we do a good enough job at recognizing like the dark side of what is happening there. And we can certainly think of a lot of examples of kids who became famous as kids and then their lives were completely wrecked by it. And it's almost to a point where if you can think of someone who was a child star who became a stable adult, it feels like an anomaly. 
it like feels like a surprise that that well, happened. And it's usually because they just ducked out of show business altogether. Right. Uh, Anna, uh, Anna Klimsky, what what's her name from Veep? I can never remember her oh, name. Oh, yeah. Klimsky. Klimsky. Like she's like one of the examples where she, like she did My Girl and then was forced maybe to duck out for a while and then like showed back up as an adult and is like the stable, you know, well-spoken I mean, what person. happened to her is exactly what Soleil Moon Fry talks yeah. about where she gained weight. Like she hit puberty yeah. and she all of a sudden had a woman's body and people wanted her to be a child. And I think Soleil Moon Fry's was even more severe because she had curves. She had curves. So I remember... Do you remember Wonder Years, the mm-hmm. show Wonder Years? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that was mid to late 90s. And I remember she was a guest star on Wonder Years. And I, as a child, had not seen her since Punky Brewster. Yeah. And it was a big deal. It was like advertised like Punky Brewster is on one this week's episode of Wonder Years. Yeah. And she was like the love interest on a canoe. Like they he she and Kevin, the main character, like were on a canoe together. And I remember adults in my neighborhood saying like oh punky brewster is on um this show this week on wonder years and her boobs are really big now yeah and like i remember that and like she was like 15 yeah and i remember at the time being like thinking that was weird that like adults in my neighborhood were talking about her body yeah and it was really interesting to watch this documentary and hear her talk about like how she developed like she apparently developed kind of more quickly than a lot of kids her age yeah. and she got like larger breasts and and eventually got breast reduction surgery at what like 15 16 yeah i think 16 which you know is that's so hard you know that that she went through that and felt like she needed to go through that for whatever reason but um, I, I remember as a kid just being like, oh, that's weird. You know, like this punky Brewster character that was like a big part of my childhood is being like, I, I wouldn't have described it in these terms at, at that age, but like basically being sexualized in this yeah. way. Yeah. And and it was so fascinating to hear in this documentary her talk about what that felt like to suddenly become this young teenager that like had this weird body image issue thing going on that was being propelled and exacerbated by the way Hollywood and society were treating her and to like undergo surgery as a young, like as such a young person because she felt like she had to in order to like retain some sort of normal, like semblance of normality in her life. I mean, I know multiple women who have had breast reduction surgery just so people would talk about something other than the <sighs> breasts. Which, like, I mean, you do you, surgery, whatever it means, but, like, there's, it's so, it's such an indictment on the people around us if we're doing the surgery because of the way people are treating us about our bodies. Oh, yeah. As opposed to, like, a health issue or, you know, feeling better about ourselves in in some other way. And that, that felt really sad to me. I just felt really sad for her in this. Yeah. Uh, I felt really sad for her about that. She was sexually assaulted. Um, Tragic. Um, You know, and then she kind of had the Britney Spears problem where people were holding her up as like a virginal, Mm -hmm. don't do drugs kind of angel character when in reality she was not that. And that's what she needed to be to land jobs but that's not who she was and yeah she was running with a wild crowd but also trying to remain an actor like it's just 
It was fa- it was a fascinating watch. Um, it felt like a coming of age that any of us had on steroids, almost. and and so nineties, very nineties. I mean, it, it I like felt it, it brought up a lot of memories that just kind of felt so foreign, but like familiar to me at the same time. Yeah, they they were showing footage of like the way the kids were interacting with one another and the words they were using and what that looked like and what their clothes looked like. And it was like. like the Nirvana, like I don't care about anything. Totally, like it's cool to be like borderline depressed all the time. Yeah, you know, very grunge. Yeah, and that- her footage, like, it started to make me nauseous. It was like that real world, like grainy kind of shaky, yeah. where you're like, okay, all right, yeah. just like put it on a tripod. I like. I kept feeling like I was back on an extended family vacation with like my cousins who were a few years older than me and had like that weird kind of longer Leonardo DiCaprio hair yeah, that was yeah. skater hair that was yeah. like hanging over a little bit and they were you know real skinny and wearing like the baggy jeans yeah. and and uh you know there were it, it I had such mixed feelings watching this where like part of me was like man I feel nostalgic and I want to be back a part of this and then the other part of me was like boy I'm glad this part of my life is over yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, like I never want to be a middle schooler again certainly you know my grandma says this thing to me and I can't decide if I love it or if it's really dark but she says you know I'm old but there's not much I would do over again which I'm like I'm glad you've enjoyed the life you lived but also did you hate it like does, huh. you know like because, yeah, can you think of a time in your life that you'd be like, yeah, I want to live that over again? I mean, honestly, the only part of my life I want to live right now is the part I'm in. Yeah. I, I have so many fond memories of different parts of my life, but I don't want to be a middle schooler again. No. I don't want to be a high schooler again. I don't want to go to college again. I don't want to be no. in law school again. I don't, you know, like, I, I, I guess, like, we don't, it, it's hard to look back at times when you were less when you had less wisdom than you have now which like as you get older you just like learn more yeah and be like boy i wish i had that ignorance again and like that lack of self-confidence that comes with whatever age that was but i really miss parts of culture yeah you know like there there there's you and i have talked a lot about like the simplicity of the 90s and the fact that like we didn't have cell phones and we didn't have the internet and people couldn't get a hold of us unless they called the landline and like asked for us and our parents happened to answer the phone or, you know, whatever it was. And there are aspects of that that I'm like, I miss that. Like I, I miss my childhood best friend coming over and opening the back door and yelling my name through the house until I came. And I miss, you know, the kind of small town community feel that we had. And I missed that we would leave school and nobody had any way to contact one another really in any meaningful way. And we would just have to go to school the next day to find out how everybody's day went. Yeah, And and so there are parts of that that I miss, but I don't miss being 13. Right. And I, I don't miss, you know, the, the ignorance that I had and the insecurities that I had at that time and so it's like, I, I guess like in a perfect scenario, I would take my 36-year-old self and inject it into a 1994 well, yeah, for a little that's while. That's the thing. Like, would you go back and live any time? Can I take what I know now with me? Yeah. 
Because, okay, but if I have to do it all over again as a 19-year-old, I'm nope. going to make the exact same stupid mistakes I made then. <laughs> and feel insecure and feel yeah. sad about it. Yeah, and, yeah. 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 Um, we actually, we talked about Kid90 because a listener reached out, which honestly, nothing I love more than getting emails from listeners with requests yeah. because we run out of ideas, guys. So let us know anything you want us to talk about. Um, she said, please review Kid90. This is from Kendra. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in your opinion at the end when Soleil and Brian are talking and asking about if their friendship was as real as she remembered. Like when you are young and have friendships that you think will last forever and you spend day in and day out with them, but then grow apart and look back and wonder if you sort of made it up in your mind how good of friends you were and wonder how the other person remembers that particular time and what happened. Hmm. What do you think? (laughs) I have one person from my childhood, meaning like pre-age 18, that I'm close to at this point in my life. One, just one. Apart from family, obviously. Uh, One person. And if you had told me that that would be my situation when I was 17, you know, like in 20 years from now, this would be your situation, I would have been shocked. And I, I think like so much of that is... We formed friendships as teenagers, as children, and and as teenagers that were based on versions of ourselves that are not always consistent with what we end up becoming as adults. Yeah. And so I formed friendships that were sincere and valuable and legitimate at the time. And then I became an adult. And 20 years later, I became a version of myself that was very unrecognizable from my teenage self. And frankly, so did the people who I was friends with as teenagers. And it just so happens that one of the people from my childhood happened to kind of evolve in a similar direction that I did, and we and we remained close. And um, the thing is, like, I actually don't feel sad about any of that. Yeah. Because, like, I have, like, positive memories about those friendships, and I don't care that we're not friends now because our lives have just evolved in, in different ways. What about you? I have high school friends that I talk with every day. Um, We have very different interests Mm -hmm. at this point. Uh, We all have different interests, but we also have enough in common that uh, we can keep a relationship going. And I think friendship takes on different definitions as you get older. Like when I was a teenager, a friend meant, a ride or die, mm. right? Like you are there for me day in, day out, no matter what. And mm. now a friendship is like, we can pick up wherever we left off, huh. right? Like we can go two months without talking and then pick up and then go two more, a year without talking and then pick, yeah. you know, like friends are just people who are, will always be there. Yeah. And I think part of that is being a parent and like just being busy and just yeah in a stage of life where friendship kind of takes a backseat to everything else going on. I think I, I, when it comes to my childhood friendships, I mean, we were all just kind of selfish jerks, right? Like mm-hmm. it was kind of dog eat dog all day and you, you just hung out with the kids in your neighborhood. And yeah. I think they regarded me as just as good a friend as I regarded them, which was some days we were best friends and some days we were worst enemies. Mm-hmm. And that was just kind of the dynamics of childhood. 
Mm. And I would think that looking back, they would all agree. Um, and like, I'm friendly with those people now. Yeah. And I can have a lovely conversation when I run into any of them. Thanks to maturity. I mean, yeah, sure. And yeah. like, they're they're all decent, good people. We yeah. don't have the world in common, but... But you have a shared background on yeah, some level. Yeah, and they're nice. And, you know, social media, I, I know enough about their lives, about what's going on. Um, I don't think that we'd ever be best friends again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's an interesting question. I, I watched that and she just seems like such a bubbly person that she endeared everyone to her. Yeah. And she did talk about how lonely she felt. And it's always interested me that people who seem so extroverted and make friends so quickly are sometimes so lonely mm. mm-hmm. um, because they have, it's almost like they have too many people who they've endeared themselves to mm-hmm. um, and a lack of really deep connection. Right. So, Thanks for the question, Kendra. I loved it. I, I loved I loved the show. I think, especially if you grew up in the '90s at all, you should you should watch it. Like it's really interesting to see. It is. Uh, it's there's language warning if you're sensitive to that, mm-hmm. um, and there's some adult content and some. I mean, you know, reference to. There's some talk of suicide. Then yeah. it actually ends with a number to the suicide hotline. Um, yeah. It's dark and it's heavy, but it's really, really interesting. So thank you for the suggestion, Kendra. Thank you for uh, the question, too. It gave me a lot to think about. We, next week, we have another listener request, and I can't stop laughing about it. It's going to be such a nightmare. We're going to watch Les Mis. (laughs) (laughs) I already have a thousand things to say. The um, Hooper, Thomas Hooper, Tom Hooper, Les Mis, with snotty Anne Hathaway like literal snot don't even come at me but oh my gosh I cannot wait to talk about I love her at Les Mis oh my gosh oh my gosh Uh, so we'll be back next week to talk about Les Mis and whether or not people who can't sing should be cast in musicals Um, hashtag La La Land until then please leave us a good rating and review you know we've had like an uptick in listeners lately we've had an uptick in reviews and ratings and it really it just means the world to us thank mm-hmm. you so much for and your it's support. really helpful to us it is super it's super actually helpful. Help- i don't think people realize when you leave a written review it it actually helps us get exposure to people and so it's like the dumb it seems like the most simple dumb thing that you can do yeah but it it's like a hugely impactful thing for a small pad- podcast like and this. And I, I will tell you the number one most help- helpful thing you can do. Pick an episode and share it on your social media. Yeah. Um, that is absolutely where we found the most growth is when people share their favorite episode on Instagram or on Twitter. Um, don't do Facebook. That's a cursed place. But <laughs> everywhere else. I mean, do a Facebook if you want. If but you that's want, not what we're asking I wish you for. the best of luck. I just don't want anyone to have to log on to Facebook. <laughs> um, really, it means the world to us every time you share those. And anytime you listen, honestly. it's I forget that we're in a room. It feels like we're just talking to each other. But like we're having a broader conversation with so many of you. And it's really, really fun. Um, please remember to subscribe to our newsletter, hivemind.substack.com. We have a new video series that you can catch on our social media channels, HiveMindHQ, and we will see you next week. 